Hello, everyone, and welcome to the season two premiere of Palace Off the Top Rope presents 90s Films Turn 30. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. And I covered about, I want to say like 24, 25 movies last season for season one, uh, where we talked about all the films from 1990. And, you know, I kind of distracted myself towards the end. I didn't really get to finish that season as I wanted to. A lot of personal stuff came into play, a lot of more important issues at hand that I needed to put my attention on, my full focus on. Not that this show is not important, but that was way more important, so I needed to focus on that. So I apologize for not finishing up on a couple of movies I left off um, for season one. And maybe I'll come back to those when they turn 35, because we'll still be like at the halfway point of the 90s at that point. So that'll be a good time to revisit those. So don't worry, I won't forget about those movies. I'll eventually come back to them. But I wanted the show to go on, so I wanted to kickstart season two today. I know we're about to hit June, so I'm already a little behind at the start of season two, but that's okay because I do plan to cover uh, a chunk of what I wanted to cover as we head into the year 1991 in celebrating its 30-year anniversary. Now, for those of you that are listening for the first time to this spinoff series, and this is all that this series focuses on, is the, the 90s movies. Certain movies that I've picked out, 30 movies each year that I've, you know, handpicked. Some of them have been a lot of rewatches. Some of them I'm seeing for the first time. And basically what the show is, it's just basically just reminiscing on it. General thoughts, you know, stuff that you liked or didn't like. Uh, whether stuff has aged well or not because, you know, these movies are turning 30. So I think it's a good indicative, you know, 30 years passing. That's a good, you know amount of time to know whether a movie has aged properly or whether it was just good for its time and that's okay you know some movies were just good for their time you look at a lot of 80s movies like they've really aged and they're really showing on themselves but they they were great for their time and, and that's okay so i, I want to kind of like see what we got as far as the 90s goes because it's my favorite decade of movies it's where you know the movie star really emerged and they were a big deal you know your tom hanks your Denzel Washingtons, your Tom Cruises, your Julia Roberts, your Harrison Fords, all that stuff. They were in a lot of tremendous movies in the 90s that I hope to cover on here. Um, the emergence of the big blockbuster, you know, movies got bigger and bigger. Box office got bigger and bigger. The critiques, uh, you know, a lot more voices, a lot more opinions on stuff started to come out. Um, the Internet starts to come into play towards the end of the 90s. And, you know, you know where we are now with Twitter and all that stuff. So everybody's got an opinion on movies. But the 90s to me is like is the kickstart of all of it. And it's really the height of, of movie stardom and and franchise like blockbusters. And, of course, that's where we're at today. Um, so 1991, we're going to kickstart it with a little movie with a, a big star in it or who's about to become a big star. Because 1991, you know, you, some of the movies that I got uh, lined up for this season, um, you're starting to see the 90s really start to form and who are going to be the big stars coming out of it. And just to go back to last season, you know, I covered Pretty Woman and Flatliners. And who were, like, the standouts in those movies? Julia Roberts. She's really coming into her own. She's going to blossom into one of those amazing, like, big star actresses throughout the 90s. Um, I, I think she peaked with Pretty Woman as far as, like, her best performance. But she's in a lot of stuff throughout the 90s. And one of the ones is the one we're going to start with today. And that movie is Sleeping with the Enemy. It was a January release. In 1991, so again, I'm a bit behind, but we're still in, in 2021. We're still in the 30-year anniversary of 1991, so I can still talk about it. So, 
If you want to check it out, it's available now on Amazon Prime. If you have that, you can watch it for free through there. That's how I did it. That's how I did my first time watch. Yes, this is the first time watch for me. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what I thought about this movie. And if you haven't, hit pause and watch it through there. Or if you have, you know, hit play. Enjoy the show. She is a stranger in a small town. What's your name? Where are you from? A lot of questions. Days when the rains came. Is this what they mean by a warm welcome? Ah, a heart you. Behind her smile. What is it with you? Is a secret. Behind her laughter is fear. Wow! I'm sorry. Behind her happiness. Are you okay? I'm gonna be. Is a past she can never forget. Laura! I had a husband. He hurt me. She was the only thing I ever loved. I guess I'm just really afraid. She changed her name. Six months ago, your wife removed her mother from this institution. Look, there's obviously some mistake. My wife drowned. I left him. She changed her looks. What are you doing here? Waiting for you. I want this taken very seriously. She's looking for you. She changed her life. If you need any help, I'm here. Is she with someone? I don't know where. Thank. The woman she used to be is dead. Are you okay? Saying goodbye to old ghosts, you know. But the man who always wanted her. Where is she, hunt? Still wants her back. I know your every thought, Laura. <laughs> Nothing can keep me away. I can't live without you. And I won't let you live without me. Julia Roberts. Sleeping with the enemy. All right, here we go. Sleeping with the Enemy was released on February 8th, folks, 1991. I know I mentioned at the intro for this show that it was a January release. That just goes to show you how unprepared I am for this. But no, yes, it was released on February 8th, 1991. And here is the synopsis as given to us by Box Office Mojo, which is powered by IMDb Pro, which is an app or website you can look at to check out all information on any movie that you've always wanted to know about, trivia, cast goofs soundtracks all that stuff i use it all the time when i'm watching movies because there's always a point where somebody pops up where i'm like man who is that person i know who it is i'm pretty good with knowing all names of actors and actresses but every once in a while i get stumped and that's what that app is 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 used beautifully for but box office mojo is also another website that i use for box office numbers i'm obsessed with looking at all of that stuff um, it's been real interesting now that we've been in this pandemic where box office numbers have kind of been reset. You know, we haven't been at a point in a while now where we've seen movies open past like a hundred million. Like we haven't seen that. And we've had big movies like Wonder Woman 1984. We had the Christopher Nolan movie Tenet. You know, those movies have all opened real softly. And that's just because of, of, of the situation that we're in as a nation. You know, theaters are slowly starting to reopen you know we have vaccinations coming in people taking them and you know we're starting to see a little bit more of the public come out to check out movies you know most more importantly we've seen you know movies like godzilla versus kong perform well mortal Kombat for like a weekend calm down fanboys um but yeah so we're, we're kind of like now at the beginning stages again of building back up our box office so again it, it's interesting to look at all these numbers so if you want to look into any of that stuff I highly suggest boxofficemojo.com. It has it 
every 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 little thing you can imagine. You know, the highest grossing R-rated movies, the all-time top grossing movies, you know, by weekend, by holiday, all that stuff. There's, there's so many different avenues you can go in on this website, and I can spend hours on it. So anyways, here's the synopsis. A young woman fakes her own death in an attempt to escape her nightmarish marriage, but discovers it is impossible to elude her controlling husband. Now, I like to start off the show with giving off my earliest memories of this movie. Now, as a kid growing up in the 90s, I wasn't really into the adult thrillers and, you know, dramas and all that stuff. I was more into, like, you know, explosions or, you know, like your Back to the Futures, your Ninja Turtles, stuff like that. It wasn't really till I started to grow up a little bit more where I started to fall more in love with, with adult movies and, and get more invested in that. But I do remember the poster for this movie, and it's a very big picture of Julia Roberts, like, in a bathtub or something like that. So she's got like the, the watered hair. And as I mentioned, she's a really big selling point of this movie. So I always remember that point of it. And I always remember like the commercials for it or whenever it was airing on cable, uh, how she was like being hunted by this guy. Right. So it was like, eh, whatever. This doesn't really interest me. So I saw this movie for the first time a couple of days ago on Amazon prime. Again, you can stream that for now free. If you have that, that service, you can watch it through there. Um, this movie's an hour and like 35 minutes. And for, for Palace here, that's actually, that, that's, that's, you know, good news to my eyes because, uh, I'm kind of worn out with all of some of these movies that are over long these days. You know, if it's a Martin Scorsese movie, Christopher Nolan, you know, Spielberg sometimes, I know what I'm getting myself into. So I, I'm okay with their, their, their length of movies. So that doesn't bother me. But some of these movies nowadays, are just two hours and like 15 minutes for like absolutely no reason or two and a half hours like the upcoming Cruella. Are you kidding me? I don't mean to jump into the present, but just like that's what I'm talking about. Like I'm okay when movies, you know, kind of have a little bit of a speed on them. An hour and 35 minutes, you know, Julia Roberts, you know, running around for her life and, you know, escaping a piece of shit for an hour and 35 minutes. Give me that. Okay, I'm, I'm good with it. So um, let's talk about the... Uh, the box office for a bit since we're sticking with that and the synopsis and all that stuff. So again, those are my earliest memories of the movie. Um, this movie opens up to 13 million on February 8th. It was the number one movie in America. And in this pandemic world that we're living in, 13 million is actually pretty good in 2021. But in nine, in 1991, that's like a huge number, right? Because we're starting to see the emergence of, of movie stars. And the budget for this movie was at 19 million. And I'm sure a lot of that was to get Julia Roberts to star in the movie because again, she's building a reputation. You know, she broke out in Pretty Woman. So I'm sure she was in high demand. So they got her for this at that budget. So right there in the first three days of opening weekend, 13 million at a $19 million budget. Uh, that's, in, that, that's actually pretty awesome. And that's good news for the studio and just for the movie in general. Here's where I got surprised when I looked up this movie on Box Office Mojo. This movie goes on to gross a hundred and one million domestically, just here in the United States. So that's awesome. That's a bona fide hit, all right? Right? Anything over a hundred million, like in these, in the pre-COVID days, like that's like nothing, right? People just scoff at it, right? Because we've seen what Marvel movies have done, we see what Star Star Wars movies have done. So this is like nothing, right? But in 1991, this is a huge deal. Goes on to gross seventy-three million internationally for a total like worldwide gross of 174 million 
dollar performance for this movie. This is amazing. This is great. And it is all attributed to Julia Roberts. That's the entire sell of the movie. That's all you need. She's a bona fide movie star. And this proves it right here. So, yeah, th those are the box office numbers of it all. So I can't, I can't explain to you like how much this is a, like a huge deal and just goes to show this is why she ends up becoming super popular and becomes an even bigger movie star and starts to get more and more roles as the 90s roll along. Um, let's talk about the, um, the critical reception of this movie. So on this show, if you're listening to this for the first time, um, and for, for previous listeners, I apologize for re-explaining, but I'm sure I'm going <laughs> to attract new listeners as this goes on and on. So if I get repetitive that, with this stuff, that's why. Um, I'm going to be focusing on mainly, because everybody's a critic nowadays, right? But back in the 90s and back on like when you would read movie posters or even watch on the your local you know channel, you'd see the television show for Siskel and Ebert. And they, these guys were like the staples of the 90s, like two thumbs up. Like that's the most, you know, rewarding movie praise could get like on a poster. If you saw like the two thumbs up, that means they both liked it. And it, it, it meant something. Now everyone praises everything or hates everything at once. And, you know, it's kind of hard to distinguish like who do you really listen to or follow? Like if you're really a diehard movie fan, you'll know exactly who to follow as far as like information and opinions and whatnot of course always judge the movie for yourself i always say that myself i only give up my opinions and how i feel about the movie but if you're influenced by how somebody else feels about the movie before you even see it or even after you've seen it and you're like swayed by it like that that just means you're not confident in the movie that you just saw so i'm always confident in everything that i see i'm confident in the opinions that i put out because i know they're my own so if you're swayed or bothered by it um you know whatever deal with it like you're not confident and i have this reputation and this is more like on facebook where like if i don't like something especially if it's like a cheesy movie like this or you know the latest marvel movie where i'm just like ugh, whatever on it people label me as like oh palace why do your movies all gotta be like oscar worthy and it's like it's not even about that like it's it's just it's just my opinion and like and you're talking to a guy Whose favorite actors are Sylvester Stallone and Ben Affleck? And those are those guys have done some of the cheesiest, dumbest shit movies you could find out there. And yet I still enjoy them. Like, I can enjoy those movies. But I'm also one that's like, every now and then I'm like, don't you want your movie to have a little bit of a brain? And I think this is why a lot of people get mad when they come out of Christopher Nolan movies. Because they have you, you know, turning your head a little bit. He makes you put on your thinking cap for just a little bit. And you know, I like that sometimes. And yet, maybe sometimes... The acting may not be the best thing in the world, and I can live with that. But there's times where I'm like, man, I was expecting a pretty good performance, and I didn't get that. So, you know, it's give and take with me. You know, I can go both ways. But a lot of people like to label me all the time, which is like, oh, if, if your movie's not Oscar-worthy or whatever, that it's no good. Like, shut up. That's further from the truth. You're a geek and a mark, and just you're a loser. So I have to put that out there. Just let you know I can watch cheesy movies and, like, you know, be excited by them for like an hour and a half and then forget about it and move on. Like I can enjoy those movies too. And th that's what this one kind of ends up being too. And, and I'll get to that in just a little bit. So back to the, the, the critical part of it with the Siskel and Ebert. Uh, I'm pretty sure they gave this movie both thumbs down in the clips that I've been watching on YouTube. And you can search these guys on YouTube, just search Siskel and Ebert and whatever movie it is that you want to look up in the nineties. Like I'm pretty sure they've reviewed it. Uh, they were both down on this one. Pretty much for the same reasons I was, even though I, it was still like a 
a watchable an hour and a half. Like, it wasn't a movie where I was, like, looking at my watch being like, when is this going to be done? Because it, it really breezed by. Anyways, they didn't like the movie. Um, they, of course, they praised Julia Roberts, which, again, that's one of my biggest things about this movie is just her presence. Like, my goodness. If I could sidetrack just a little bit on her, um, and, and I guess I can get – this will be, like, my number one thing as far as, like, what I loved about the movie is just her presence alone. Like, she's a great actress, but my goodness is she the most beautiful, like, woman you've ever laid eyes on on screen. So, like – she had to have been, like, in her 20s around this time. I haven't really looked at what her age is now. So, like, just to do the math and all that stuff. But if I was, whatever her age was in 1991, I would find myself at that age, time travel to that time, find a way to meet her or whatnot, and then fall in love with her. Because that's just, like, that's just a mo- woman that you want to marry and just, you know, spend the rest of your life with. And, and it's funny because this movie, she deals with, like, a piece of shit. And it's like, why would anybody ever treat julia roberts this way uh, so yeah that's that's my biggest like number one love of this movie and it's why it's it's a it's a pretty easy watch because she is such a she has such a star presence that sometimes that's enough for a movie not saying that it's enough reason for the movie to be good but it's enough to, to watch and that's why it made over a hundred million like she attracted that attention and this is one of those movies where like it's a friday night you want to take your date out. Let's go see the new Julie Roberts movie. It's her running away from a piece of shit for an hour and a half. Hell yeah. Let's go. I'll take you, babe. Like Friday night movie of the week. Uh, go have dinner afterwards. Go out dancing after that. Whatever. You know, just a fun night. And, 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 you know, we need these movies like this to survive and be put on the big screen because, you know, there has to be variety. You know, now you got like, you know, your Friday night movie of the week is Cruella. That, that's the date movie. Like, I'm sure. Like, I'm not to offend those people that are into that movie, but. Man, it's like the same thing, an origin story on Cruella DeVille. Come on. Where's my cheesy drama thriller? Like, you know, we, we've gotten a lot of movies like this throughout the years, and I'm not, this is not like the first one there's ever been, but I need a couple of these movies every couple of years. Like, just throw one out there with like a decent, good enough actress, maybe get a, a bigger name for the villain. And, and you got star power and make a movie out of it. It may not be the best thing, but it's a good, like, escapism for two hours. And then you can forget about it after that. So back to Siskel and Ebert. Two thumbs down. They didn't like it. Uh, I'm not, like, mad about it. I understand it. But, you know, I'm also one of those that, like, can look past a lot of that stuff and just watch the movie for what it is. Like, I, even before I even saw it and just, like, read what it was about and all that stuff before I got into my first watch, it's like, I know what I'm getting into. Like, this, is, as long as Julia Roberts is is entertaining enough, like, that, that's going to do it for me. And, and that's what she was. So, like, I'll, I'll give my, you know, recommendation at the very end. But, you know, just for, just on that alone, it's enough to watch it. So, um, let's look at uh, another thing that, that I'm going to be looking on on this show is, is Ron Tomatoes. And not really necessarily what we're what, the exact critics are saying like individually, like I won't read up blurbs or anything like that, but this is more just to compare and contrast, like how the critics are feeling as opposed to what the audience is feeling. Cause they give you like the, the score from the critics reviews and then they give you the audience score of what people have rated this movie, like online. And there's been plenty. So for this movie, here's the consensus. Uh, a game, Julia Roberts gives it her all. But Sleeping with the Enemy is one stalker thriller that's unlikely to inspire many obsessions of its own. 
which okay i understand that consensus because the story's kind of bland it's whatever again it's a lot of it's rushed it's an hour and a half so it kind of gets to the point and then it kind of falls apart but i'll talk about that in just a bit um so out of 35 reviews from critics and again there weren't that many as there are now so like a movie like this in 2021 would get like over like 150 reviews so back then 35 like that's a good amount and this is probably for mostly the the big newspapers in chicago new york la all that stuff and then including you know roger ebert and siskel uh, i'm sure the reviews are written on here as well so their their total combined score ends up being like 20 percent. so that's considered rotten considered bad now the score is not always indicative of how the review is sometimes it could be like a mostly positive but you know moving towards the negative but yet they'll give it a positive review or give it a negative i don't know it's weird how ron tomatoes does their stuff sometimes so it's kind of hard to always focus on this i just like to look at it as a reference point not like my actual selling point on seeing a movie or not seeing it that'll never be the case i will always judge it for myself or if i'm just not interested in it whatever like i don't need critics or people telling me that it's good or bad like if i'm not interested at all i just won't see it and if i'm gonna see it i'm gonna see the movie anyways that number is totally different from what the audience felt. So out of 50,000 plus ratings here on this website, it's sitting at a 61%. So that's a little bit more than half that actually, I guess I want to say enjoyed the movie. And again, the $100 million box office like reflects that. Like People flocked out to see this movie, whether it be date night or just for the sheer curiosity of julia roberts starring in like her own movie again she she exploded big with pretty woman the year before and then she was pretty decent in flatliners so again the star in the making there's curiosity like this is why i love the 90s so much where it would be like oh look the new tom cruise movie's out let's go check it out or denzel or you know michelle pfeiffer you know whoever like that movies used to be like that and it isn't anymore it's about the brand and that's kind of what hollywood has lost its way with is that they're all focused on the brand now it's not so much about the movie star but that's what makes a movie sometimes it's you got to have your leading people you got to have your your superstar actors and that's got to be the selling point and that used it used to be like that and that's this is movie is an exact proof of it there's a movie coming out this summer called stillwater with matt damon like and it's not a big franchise ip property it's just a, a movie about an actor who's on the on the hunt for his daughter he's looking for her she's lost or whatever and it's just like a, a drama suspense movie and if, th if that movie came out in like the 90s that's like your selling point matt damon matt damon's new movie you know it's not the born movies or, or whatever like now like that's what he needs for people to go out and see a movie like that um but i love i love the 90s because it would just be like oh hey what's out this weekend oh the new tom hanks let's go check it out who cares what it's about let's go see it and i'm sure a lot of it was like that for for this movie it's like julie roberts has got a new movie out she was good and pretty woman <laughs> let's go see her in this and um i hope one day that hollywood would, will realize this and will begin to make movie stars again so i don't know we're in a different world now so probably not it's gonna be crazy when we look back in like in the history of movies like you know 100 years from now it's like how stuff evolved and uh i don't know how long i'm gonna live but when i look back i'm gonna be like man i really like and this is why i have such a love for the 90s because it was all star star power driven and i've been recently like on the hunt for like a lot of old vhs tapes and most of the movies that i'm buying are from the 90s like or like 
the movie stars drove the, the marketing for the packages and all that stuff. It wasn't about the brand. It was about the actor. So, yeah. So the, the audience and critics kind of, you know, it'll, they'll compare. I mean, they'll, they'll, sometimes they'll be similar, you know, for certain movies if it's really, really good. And sometimes they'll like, you know, again, this is the factor. This is Julia Roberts. That's the biggest reason this movie is a success. And now we can kind of get into like what worked and what didn't work about the movie. Again, I already told you about the first thing that I liked about this movie was just her whole presence. And she's in, in the, in the whole film. She's in the, the entire movie. So that what makes the movie watchable and very fun to watch. Um, so the basic story is, you know, the movie starts out. And again, I enjoyed, I want to say the first like 40 minutes of this mo- movie because there she's dealing with, with the husband who's like a piece of shit. And she's like, there's this very high intense drama of like, man, how much more abuse is she going to take before she like attempts to make an escape? And then when we come to the latter part of the movie, it's where she, where they show her like moving into another small town, like getting her life back in order, getting a new house, meeting new people and all that. And she meets this other geek in the movie played by Kevin Anderson, who I don't really know who he is, but, uh, you know, I, I I really would have liked to have for them to have gotten like a, a, kind of bigger name actor so that way you could kind of care about that character because the the guy that she ends up meeting like yeah he's a he's a good guy but also he's just kind of there and a nothing so that part of the movie is very bland like their chemistry is really ugh because she's dealing with the the ptsd of dealing with that uh traumatic uh that piece of crap husband that she's dealing with played by patrick bergman i think is what his name is he's a really good performance but um that's where the movie really falls off and then he shows up like in the like final like 15 minutes of the movie looking for her and then it builds up to this like climax that kind of just like ends and you know she kills him and whatnot sorry spoilers for those of you that haven't seen the movie um and and the movie just kind of ends and i'm like all right i mean i guess um the movie is what it is i'm not gonna fault it for that but again the more interesting part of that movie for me was like the first 40 minutes so the second thing about that I liked was that the villain was actually very hateable and very despicable. Because as you're watching the the first couple of minutes of this movie, it's like your typical like, oh, here's this happy couple. You know, they're going out to events, you know, they're being all lovey-dovey with each other. They make love to classical music, which is weird. <laughs> I'd never seen that on film where it's just classic music and uh they're they're making love and all that stuff. And then there's this scene of the husband, and he's washing his hands, right? He's washing his hands in the sink, and he notices something off about his towels. And I'm like, well, that, well, that's fucking weird, right? And then he goes off to talk to Julia Roberts' character, brings her back into that restroom, and she's, he's like, what, what's, what's wrong here? And she's like, oh, sorry. And she puts like the towels back in its proper place. And I'm like, okay, this guy's a fucking nut. So that's what that's where the movie kind of like takes its first turn like okay something's off here. And then right also like in the beginning of the movie uh the guy's like talking to this other guy who has like a boat and he's talking about how he wants to like go out and sail for a little bit and but Julia Roberts character is like always been afraid of swimming cuz she almost drowned once. And the guy mentions to the husband like oh like yeah I noticed like you have like that wife of yours, like she's been like looking out over here in the distance or whatever every now and then. And the husband doesn't react to it. He's just kind of like whatever. And he's like, Oh, like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take you up on your offer of going out to sail. You know, the weather's supposed to be nice and whatnot. 
So he goes back inside and, you know, you think it's just going to be like he's just going to argue with her. But the movie wastes no time in having this guy fucking slap the crap out of Julia Roberts, kicks her like in the stomach like multiple times. And it's like, okay, this piece of crap, like he needs to die. I hope he dies, right? Like, or something really bad happens to this guy. So this, that all goes in the performance of that gentleman. So again, that's my second thing that I liked about the movie. And then of course, the thing that I didn't like, and that's my third thing. Again, the pacing, like it's really good for these first 40 minutes, the tense drama, you know, they finally go out to sail and all that stuff and she ends up falling overboard, but supposedly she had been learning to swim this whole time and she concocted this whole plan of of escaping so that's how she she's able to do that so the husband thinks she's dead until he realizes that she's not and he starts to pick up all these little things some of them are kind of like okay that's a little unbelievable how he would figure that out through this little thing she did and i'm not trying to spoil every little thing because there's some people here that maybe have not seen the movie and I want you to get the chance to do that. And you'll notice it in the movie too. Like, ah, oh, come on, guy. How did you figure that out? Like, there's no way. Um, another extra little thing that makes me laugh is that there's a point where there's a, there's a plot point with, um, Julia Roberts' mom. And I think she's like blind or, or whatnot. So to avoid, um, going as herself, she has, uh, the guy she meets in that small town played by Kevin Anderson. He's like a, drama theater arts teacher and he like disguises her right gives her a wig <laughs> and and puts on like the the fakest mustache you'll ever see and he's like wow like you're totally unrecognizable but julie roberts looks like this goofy like she's supposed to be disguised as a man but it's like the goofiest thing and it's like if you if anybody saw that in public you'd be like what the hell's wrong with this person like that's the worst costume cosplay design ever and somehow she gets away with it when she goes to visit her mom and you know the husband ends up showing up at some point and they cross paths but they don't see each other and uh but, but again the whole the whole thing is cheesy and it's i was laughing throughout that entire scene just because of how ridiculous the cosplay was with with julie roberts and that wig and mustache so that was another funny thing about that movie and again the, the movie is very cut and dry but again it falls apart like in the last 30 minutes or it's her in this small town, and it's not as interesting, you know, because you like the the drama and the suspense of, you know, is the husband going to, like, get to her? And, you know, how is she going to retaliate? Is she going to fend for herself? And that leads us to the climax of the movie where he does eventually find out where she's at and where she lives and, and all that stuff. And they come into contact with each other. Like, it's very anticlimactic. And this is back to Cisco and Eber. They talk about how it turns into, like, a horror movie and, like... All these like jump scare moments that I'm sure w- would work in the theater and probably did work, you know, uh, in the early nineties when it was released. Um, and again, if this movie were made in 2021, the jump scares would be through the roof, right? Cause that's what a lot of people think these horror movies are. And that's what a lot of the studios think. So if you watch any horror movie, the jump scares are the easiest thing to get you to like shake in a theater. So, which is why I'm never really for seeing horror movies in the theater because it's not that I'm scared of the material. It's, it's the jump scare aspect of it where it just gets you all antsy and like, I don't like feeling that way. So that's my biggest reason for that. But I'm sure there was a lot of this in, in 1991. And again, if this movie was made in 2021, they would have amped that by a lot. Um, this movie could have used a little bit more, just not by much, but a little bit more of a, of a runtime just to get an explanation as to why 
she was with this guy and then this just goes to my hot take with like with women and, and i've seen this throughout time like not just with abuse but just like with bad guys in general and it's like what what is it about the bad boy that that women are always into and like you know if if i was dating a woman like julia roberts i'd be cooking for her i'd be like you know doing whatever i could to make sure i would never lose a woman like that and this guy is just like slapping her around or whatever and she sticks around it's like what what was even interesting about this guy in the first place that made you marry him for one but also just stick around for as long as she did and i know it, it it's hard for me to you know it's easy for me to say right like oh, i'll just leave him or whatever and i know that's if that were the case, there'd be no movie. But man, this—I I, all I'm saying is that you know, give give the nice guy a chance every once in a while. And not every guy is a bad guy. And I know it's easy for for women to say like, "All oh, guys are the same." And there's a, there's a a point in the movie where Julia Roberts makes that comment to that Kevin Anderson character, and it's like this guy's just a guy just trying to get to know her, and she's being like all self guarded. And again, I get it. I get the trauma that she's been through. But a lot of this notion where it's like all guys are the same, and it's like, well, no, they're not. And it's easy for me to say that as a divorced man, and I could easily be like, all oh, women are the same, and you know, blah blah blah, and blame women for everything. But no, you know, you got to give other people the benefit of the doubt. And it's a little nitpick on me for this movie, but also like, man, I'm really interested into as to why, like, what is it about the appeal of the bad boy? And, and I get it when you're younger, but also, like, as adults, too, I see it sometimes, too, and I, I have these people that are like, you know, why are they with that person? Like, this guy's just a piece of crap. You may not, like, physically, like, hit her or abuse her, but, like, you know, there's some people that genuinely bad guys that don't care, but yet they stay with them. Like, I don't get it. I don't know. Maybe there, there's more to it that I don't understand, and but I don't know. I just figure, like, give the nice guy a chance. I know they say nice guys finish last, but I'm telling you, get with a decent guy. Nice guy that doesn't treat you like a piece of crap physically or or emotionally, and I promise you're gonna get some good results. You know, vice versa, either way. Um, but yeah. Anyways, let's get to <laughs> some fun aspects, some what ifs of this movie. So, if I were to recast this movie in 2021, I, I, and I was thinking about this one a lot as I was watching it, and it kind of became clear and very obvious as to who I would cast in these roles. So, firstly, for the villain, for the piece of shit asshole husband, perfect, perfect fit, Christian Bale. Put that creepy mustache on him, and he's menacing as fuck, I promise you. You know, you get little hints of Patrick Bateman from American Psycho, but just that intensity of Christian Bale hunting you down, no other guy can have you but me. Like, you're telling me that wouldn't scare the the living shit out of you? And not to say that this guy didn't give a good performance, but... Also, when you kind of look at him, like, because he's not really a, a notable big name actor, but for those of you that watch this movie for the first time, he's not really like the most intimidating. It's kind of like, really? This guy? Um, and then, of course, I would get a more interesting person as the good guy, the, the next door neighbor that the Julia Roberts character meets in the second half of this movie. I'd go for, you know, get another big name. I'll get a Chris Pratt, you know, because he's got to be a little bit more funny, a little bit more lighthearted, but also can be like that, that big, tough guy like savior can help out when he needs to you know you can have a big fight with him and bail at the end of it and then of course for the actress you know there's a lot of really good female actresses these days but you know for me they got to have the whole package um they gotta be able to sell the whole like being scared shitless which julia roberts has a really good like 
look whenever it's like she's scared out of her mind. Like there's a point where she's holding the gun at the husband and she's like shaking for her life and it's totally believable. Doesn't seem forced or, you know, like she's pretending like she really looks like she's, you know, physically and emotionally scarred by this guy. So the person I know who can give me that whole package and also kind of be like a, a nice sight to see like, oh, she's beautiful is Anne Hathaway. You know, she can pull off that vulnerability that scared for her life, but also like can give off that vibe like, hey, like I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to have some courage. I'm going to escape from this and start a new life. So, yeah, I'd have Anne Hathaway. And, and you're telling me you wouldn't go watch that on a Friday night, spend 20 bucks between you and your lady, get a few snacks, go watch Christian Bale, Anne Hathaway, and Chris Pratt on the big screen in a like drama suspense thriller, Friday night movie of the week. Come on. I'd be so in for that. And please continue, Hollywood, to give me those movies. I don't want them on Netflix only or Hulu or HBO Max or Peacock or Paramount Plus or all these streaming apps that are coming out of the woodworks. Give me these movies. Give them a small budget and release them onto the big screen. Like, they're they're whatever movies, but they're also, like, fun, star-driven uh, movies. And sometimes that's good for an actor's career. Like, this was good. This was a good movie for Julia Roberts' career. Like, was it the best movie? No, but it helped her career. You know, helped her get more acting gigs. Because it, it just showed that she was a box office draw. And I think with my casting, What If, in 2021, I think you got a little hit there. Like, a little, like, mid-March type release where you're like, sweet. This is not a franchise property. Yes, it's a movie We've kind of seen before, but if you get the right actors for the right roles in a decent script story, I think it'll do all right. Now to my biggest question uh, on this show is whether in 2021, whether this movie would be a streaming release only or would it, would it have the theatrical experience? Now, since I've done this series, um, a couple of factors have come into 2021 or, or just post like this pandemic that we're in uh is that studios are kind of some of them are doing like the same day streaming and the same day in the theater or they have like the really short theatrical window now so like for example hbo max is has a deal with warner brothers where all of their movies are going to be released on their streaming app at no additional cost as well as the movie theaters but the catch is is that it'll only be on the streaming services for like 30 days and then after that, it'll be exclusive to the theaters for however long it is that they have it. And usually movies, like, over the last, like, five, six years, maybe close to ten, you know, most of the movies make their money in the first, like, few weekends at the box office. I work at a movie theater, so I can tell you firsthand, like, that's usually how it goes. Avengers Endgame made over, like, close to a billion dollars worldwide. But a chunk of its money came in the first, like, three weekends. It grossed $300 million its first weekend. That just goes to show you, like... If it's a movie that people want to go see and it's like, you know, long gone are the days of movies staying in theaters for like six plus months. Like those days are gone. Like movies don't have that long of a lifespan at our theaters anymore. That's just the way it is. And the window has just become shorter and shorter. So, yeah, HBO Max is doing that. And, you know, Disney does that as well. But some, but for Disney, some of the movies you do have to play, pay, pay a premium on their streaming app to watch it. Or you can go watch it at the movie theater for for the same price you've always seen a movie like 10 15 bucks you know standard um so for a movie like this sleeping with the enemy if this movie itself was released in 2021 what are we looking at here does this get a theatrical 
release or is it a streaming only type of deal? Now, me being realistic, me knowing it's not about the movie star anymore, if that were the case, it definitely would. But I can totally see this as like a Netflix movie of the week or an exclusive to Hulu, something like that, where I think it would just get lost along the way. Like it would just be a movie there. You know what I mean? Like there would be no buzz about it. There'd be no talk about it. But if you if you did my casting and you put it as a theatrical release, that's like a, a number one movie for at least one weekend. And it could have like some talk, maybe negatively or good, you know, whatever it is. And But it would at least have some buzz. As opposed to a lot of these movies where I've seen on Netflix that drop and I'm like, and I just recently got Netflix back. Um, and I was scrolling through and like some of these movies, like, I'm like, I've never even heard of them. Didn't even know. And some of them got like some like name actors in it. And I'm like, I just, I have no idea these movies existed. Didn't know when they premiered or when they dropped. So that's my only fear with this, with the streaming becoming as big as it is and movies like this going on there is that they'll get like lost in the shuffle and they just won't get as many views as it could if it were a theater release, even though it may not make as much as a Marvel movie or whatever, but still like the whole buzz of it, that's like, that's the enjoyment, the Monday, the Monday after the weekend's over and you want to see what, what movies at the box office, what are the top movies? Like, what are people watching? What did you watch this weekend? Like a lot of that used to be a big conversation starter, like at, at work or at school. And it's like, what is it now? Like, Oh, yeah, I saw, uh, did you see that movie Sleeping with the Enemy with Julia Roberts? Like, a star-driven movie for her. And, and if you just released it on stream and a lot of people would be like, what? What is that? Where is it at? Oh, I'll add it to my list. I'll watch it eventually. And, oh, man, that just kills me. But yes, I think this movie would be a streaming in 2021. And that's sad to say. And lastly, does this movie... Has it aged 30 years? Is, is it good now in 2021 as it was in 1991? Now, me having seen this for the first time, um, I'm going to say since we've gotten movies like this throughout time, we've seen this movie over and over again, right? Where it's like the crazy husband or boyfriend after the, the traumatized girl. Or we've seen it done with role reversals too where you have the crazy girlfriend or whatever and we'll see it with movies like, you know, we saw it with like Fatal Attraction and stuff like that. There's like all these these movies have been done over and over again. But if you get the right actors for the right role and the right story, this could work. Now, this one was kind of like a 50-50, like where they got the star right in Julia Roberts. But like the story was kind of like, eh, but it's still a watchable movie. Um, So I'm going to say it's aged well only because you see a lot of it. You'll see a lot of it, and then you'll see, like, oh, I've seen this movie before. It reminds me of this. It's taken pieces and bits from all these different movies throughout the years. So that's why I'm going to say it's aged well, because there's nothing about it that's really dated. The story is relatable in terms of, like, how we've seen it before. So for, for that for that instance, I will say it's aged well. And would I recommend this movie? If you're a fan of movie stars the way I am and the way how I wish it still was, yeah, watch it. It's it's in, again, it's an hour and a half. It ain't going to take that much of your time and um you you'll you'll have a joy watching a young Julia Roberts just blossom and how freaking beautiful she is. I mean, I don't again, I don't mean to make it all about looks. I mean, she's to me she's the whole package. She can act, she's got the look and then she's got the the presence on screen where you just your eyes are just glued to her. But my gosh, if I could time travel to to meet Julia Roberts during during that time where she where she was about to hit the prime of her career, like 
Oh my gosh. Love at first sight, folks. Love at first sight. Um, and that's uh, Sleeping with the Enemy. Not bad for a start to season two. Getting a lot of more fun movies coming up. Uh, like I'm going to tease this one. Brandon McLaughlin has been on my main show plenty of times, but he's going to make his debut on this spinoff series coming up in July as we celebrate the 30-year anniversary of Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Coming in July, so look out for that one, folks. And coming up next week, as I try to fast-forward this thing to try to catch up with the actual release dates of these movies, that's that's uh, another thing that I'm trying to do with this series is actually release the pods or the podcast um, as soon as the 30th anniversary date pops up. So whenever, like, like this Sleeping with the Enemy one that I'm doing right now, this would have been dropped on February 8th of earlier this year had I started on time. But, of course, you know, I procrastinated, waited till now to start it. But whatever, better late than never. So it's dropping now. And uh, next week I'm going to fast track with another movie uh, that would have been out earlier this year. But, of course, I'm just starting it now. It's going to be Oliver Stone's The Doors starring Val Kilmer. So I'm looking forward to revisiting that one. That one I'm kind of vague on, but I'm sure I'll remember some stuff once I see it. And then that'll be a show for you next week. And that's going to do it for this episode. You can search Palace Off the Top Rope on Spotify, folks. Hit that follow button. I do share this podcast link through my social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through podbean.com. You can download the app. You can listen to it on your phone. Or if you're an Apple person, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave me that five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. Again, thank you so much for tuning in for the Season 2 premiere. Uh, I promise I'm going to get through this whole season and get all the movies on deck. Again, the 90s are starting to shape up, so I'm, I'm going to get more and more excited as all these movies come along. And, you know, we eventually, you know, we'll, we'll hit Jurassic Park. You know, I can't wait till we get to that one, you know. Even this year, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. So that's going to be a fun episode. The movies are going to get just get bigger and bigger. The star power is going to just become enormous. And again, the 90s are my favorite decade, which is why I'm doing this spinoff series. So thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week for The Doors. What's your name? Where are you from? A lot of questions. She's changed her name, her looks, her life, all to escape the most dangerous man she ever met, her husband. Where is she? our last chance. I can't live without you. And I won't let you live without me. Julia Roberts, Sleeping with the Enemy. Rated R. Starts Friday, February 8th at theaters everywhere.